Welcome to Milkman Sports, delivered fresh daily with your hosts, Casey Avila and Derek DeRuder. Welcome back to Milkman Sports, everyone. I'm Casey, and I'm here with Red and Mike, and we are here to do a mock draft on this Friday evening, the evening before uh, most of you guys are taking or doing your fantasy football drafts this weekend. So Saturday, Sunday, it is a three-day weekend, so maybe even on Monday. But anyway, last-minute uh, mock draft to kind of prepare you for your drafts this weekend. So if you wake up early tomorrow morning or if you're up late tonight, and you want some last-minute advice on players and kind of where they're going, ADP, what round. This is the podcast for you. So with that said, Red, Mike, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good, man. It's start of a three-day weekend. I got three drafts this weekend, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. And Monday morning, I got a 7 a.m. T- 7 a.m. tea time. Nice, nice. Grantham, what My- are you doing? Doing good, man. It's a three-day weekend, so I'm just ready to relax. Going to a baseball game tomorrow, so I'm excited for that. I'm going to finally live out one of my adult dreams, and uh, I'm going to be calling the Houston Astros trash to their faces. Very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Going to be in Anaheim tomorrow. That's what's up. never let 2017 go. (laughs) Casey, what are you doing tonight, man, or this weekend? Um, just drafting, kind of hanging out, um, just a little work around the ranch over here, but otherwise it's just kind of like locked in on fantasy football, getting through this draft tomorrow and then, um, just preparing for week one of the NFL season. We're going to be finally into this kind of regular routine for, well, what, 17, 18 weeks, something like that. Most of us are probably not going 18 weeks all the way to, uh, uh, the fantasy championship usually there in week 17. So yeah, we got 17 straight weeks of this awesome grind that like, it's my favorite part of the year, obviously. So I'm ready. That's, that's literally why my dynasty, my dynasty league name is 18 weeks of Christmas. Right. Yeah. It's just like 18 weeks of just football every weekend, like Mondays and Thursdays and all that other shit sprinkled in between. It's a good time of year. You know, Christmas really is. is like the whole month of December. It's just like, well, this is similar, except it's just like four or five months long. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then we have man. the XFL, you know, looking forward to them. That's a whole nother conversation, maybe for another day. If the NFL is Christmas, then does that make the XFL Easter? Like, we look forward to it because there's a barbecue, but it's not really Christmas. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of call it Thanksgiving. We yeah, all love food, man. but it's not quite Christmas because no one gets gifts. So it's like XFL, the NFL, you know, it's just not the player talent. Yeah, XFL is like summer vacation to me. It's like shorter than in the yeah, like the NFL season is just like the summer is only two, three months long, really. You know, mm-hmm. whereas the NFL is like a little longer than that. But that's uh, so it's weird because the XFL is going to run like from mid-February through like first part of May late april so anyway that's another conversation for another day i'm completely obsessed with the xfl that's going to come out so we'll certainly have room to talk about that another time we have this mock draft that we're getting ready to start here 12 team kind of just standard uh league setup one quarterback two running backs three receivers one tight end flex kicker defense with some bench spots point per catch 
this is what most people these days are doing. A league would be pretty similar to this. So um, in this mock, Mike is taking the first pick. I'm taking the sixth pick, and Red is taking the 12th pick. So you get a little bit of first, last, and in between. Um, with that said, already? Red, yeah, as I say, you want to go ahead and fire it up, and we'll see how this goes. We obviously got a bunch of uh, computer just AI that's going to be drafting in here, but it's yeah, mostly ranked on kinda, ADP, I've... so... Yeah, I meant to drop the link this morning, and I didn't do it till I got off of work. And honestly, on a what seven o'clock on a Friday night on Labor Day weekend, I doubt anybody's looking to do a mock draft with us right now. So, all right, yeah. get us started, Mike. What you got for us? Well, you know, you guys asked me maybe an hour and a half ago to join this mock draft, so I'd like to think that. I'm coming from a place where I'm the person who hasn't really studied too much, uh, but sitting at this 101 spot, you don't really need to study too much. This, this is a guaranteed, if you're not taking this player here every time, then you're not playing fantasy football correctly. Give me Cooper. Co no, it's Justin Taylor. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. That player. Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, he's kind so of an easy number one. And this mock, yeah, we got four running backs that went. So Taylor, so you took at number one, Big Mike, and he's projected to go first on most accounts. Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler are all next off the board. And then at the 1-5, the first receiver, Cooper Cup. That's kind of how a lot of these drafts are shaken out, although I think I see McCaffrey ahead of Henry a little bit more, wouldn't you say, Red? Mm, yeah, it just kind of depends if you're the person drafting second and you build McCaffrey the past couple of years, then I can easily see why that person would go Henry over McCaffrey. Uh, but for the most part, you can switch up any of those three for number one, two, and three, and I'm not going to argue with it. Would you argue that right, yeah. Austin Eckler jumped into that one, two, three? I am not in on Austin Eckler as Ooh. I think I had him as my RB9 this year. I mean, wow. they're trying to lighten up his workload, and it's not that I'm worried about um, Isaiah Spiller or any of the other running backs. It's just that the coaches want to spell him back. I mean, they're going to spell him back on his touches. So it's not that there's talent taking anything away from the coaches. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think this is an interesting spot where you could consider I know what you're back. here. Well, I mean, a lot of people like Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook – um and you're a lot depending of people. on well no i'm I'm taking justin jefferson here at number six. are you serious yeah absolutely man he's got potential to be in the top aggressive two, three wide receivers and i'm a big fan of the offense this year they're basically copying the rams offense after they're bringing over their uh, the vikings hired their offensive coordinator kevin o'connell to be their head coach we could see something i mean a cooper cup like a discounted season from Justin Jefferson. Maybe it's not as great as Cooper Cup was last year, but we could see something pretty close to that. And there's yeah. running backs if you're picking in that middle spot, like at the 1-6, there's running backs that you can take in the middle of the next round that could be there. Uh, could be Chubb, could be Kamara, could be Jones. So there's guys that are still available. Yep. Well, I'm going to... Well, hold on. Before you, before you pick, right after I took Jefferson... We had another run on running backs, another four running backs off the board. Joe Mixon, Najee, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, and then another receiver comes off the board, Jamar Chase. 
Um, out of that group, I feel like everyone's kind of belongs in there. I probably would have bumped Swift just outside of this first round, but that's just me. Red, what you got going on here at 112? All right. So being this is a uh, mock for our uh, listener tomorrow, it is a PPR league. So uh-huh. I am going to snag someone who I think is going to catch a lot of passes. I'm taking Saquon Barkley right here. Yeah, he's going to go a little bit later than that. It's not uh, surprising to me. I'm a big fan of Barkley. We've obviously talked about him a lot on the podcast. But, um, yeah, he's someone that is generally available kind of like that early, mid, second round. You might even be able to get him as a late round. But he's someone I, I generally consider a value pick, even if you get him in this late first round spot. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'm going to follow this up with Alvin Kamara. That's how I thought you were going to start your draft on Sunday. Alvin Kamara at the two one is a beautiful pick. You can't you can't get around it. Yeah, no, I mean I got two potential eighty reception running backs. Yeah, you are see, we all in on Saquon Barkley this year? Yes, I think we all like him. Yeah, I think we're all fans. Who 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 else is going to take carries from him? I don't care if the offensive line is bad. I mean, we've seen him succeed with a bad offensive line. Granted, he gets hurt, but, I mean, if he hits, man, he hits, and I got Kamara as my running back, too. So right after you took Kamara at uh, the top of the second round, Travis Kelsey comes off the board, um, first tight end taken, and then four straight receivers, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, Debo Samuel, and then CeeDee Lamb. Mike, you good with that run right there? Anyone? Like, you, we still got Nick Chubb on the board, Aaron Jones, Tyree Kill. Would you take most of those guys right there above kind of what's on the board still you know i think it, this is where we have to have the conversation of what is your draft strategy uh, clearly these computers are having a one-in-one strategy uh and it's not really the wrong strategy if i'm looking at a joe mixon cd lamb a harris samuel kind of combination i'm perfectly mm-hmm. happy with that on my team but personally i do like to have two solid anchors at running back yeah, I think it all depends how the board falls to you. I I definitely like to get my running backs early, but I'm not opposed to taking one solid one and then waiting a little bit longer. What's that, like hero running back strategy or robust hero running RB. back? There's a few different different names for it. Right. Um, I, I'm back on the board right here, right after CeeDee Lamb goes, and I took Justin Jefferson in round one. I'm definitely going to take a running back here, and it's between Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones. Um, I think I like Nick Chubb a little more in real life just as an overall player, but Aaron Jones is going to have an opportunity to catch a lot of passes. He's still getting paid, going to be involved in the red zone quite a bit. Um, I, I just kind of think that with uh, Jacoby Brissett as a starting quarterback there in Cleveland, I just don't like the amount of scoring opportunities there. So even though Aaron Jones got to deal with A.J. Dillon, Nick Chubb's got to deal with Kareem Hunt, I'll go with the one that, that's got a, a – healthier offense better chance to score for most of the fantasy season by taking aaron jones right uh right after the aaron jones pick you got jo- uh josh allen went off the board uh two eight first early, quarterback four, yep way, way too, early. too early way too I early mean, nick <laughs> chubb went right after allen and then keenan allen and tyreek hill so our first computer there doubled up on running backs every computer that's in here took running back receiver, except we did have someone take Jamar Chase and Travis Kelsey. And then, yeah, one Eckler computer here has got Eckler and Chubb. So if That's you're going to go start. start out with, I would say you're going to go start out with two running backs. Eckler is like the PPR monster. Chubb is more of like the touchdown upside. So it's good 
two uh, balanced running backs, like that one kind of uh, like Chubb is probably more of the power back versus Eckler being a power back, but then Eckler's more of a receiving back than Chubb is. So they both kind of complement each other in that regard. Mike, Good you are back on the you. board. Yeah, after Josh Allen, Nick Chubb, Keenan Allen, and Tyreek Hill go. So with the last pick of the second round, what you got going here? So with that last pick of the second round, I'm somebody who uh, this year I've been very interested in this triple running back start. And I'm going to continue Oh, that. I know what you're doing. <laughs> it's going to look interesting for me. My first of two picks, I really like this guy. He's a stud at the running back position, even though he's got a slight timeshare. I'm going with Javante Williams. Uh, I think this guy's a good running back. I think he's going to have a great year. He's playing on an offense that doesn't have necessarily too many receivers to pull. Uh, And often when I do draft, I like the way certain things look because I want to talk about this later about how it happened. And for my second pick, with this 3-1 spot, I want to be the pure loyalist that I am. And I am uh, heal Elliot with a 3-1 because why not? That's a beautiful pick for me. I'll tell you what, I like Zeke a lot more than Javante Williams. I just saw another report today from Benjamin Albright, who's a pretty plugged-in Denver reporter. And he said that he expects a 55 45% timeshare with Javante Williams getting a slight bump, but he did say that Melvin Gordon is supposed to get all of the situational work like goal line uh, and all that. So man, Javante Williams there in the second round, if he gets the job to himself, if something happens to Melvin Gordon, yeah, he's an RB one locked in league winning kind of guy. Absolutely. But while Melvin Gordon is there and just everything else, he scares the shit you, out of me. I think I'll take, you make I'll a good you. point. You make a good point, but Aaron Jones that you took in the second round is kind of in the same situation with A.J. Dillon. I don't think it's 55-45. I think that there's room for both of those guys to have big roles. I'm not sure if I feel. I think eventually you're going to see A.J. Dillon come up and take that role. Right now, Javante Williams is the younger, stronger back who can take this from Melvin Gordon if the cards fall correctly. And we have to remember – you both got the most talented running backs in that offense. I'm comfortable with it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. 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 You guys, I mean, my point was making like, if you're comfortable taking Aaron Jones, like you should same concept with Javonta Williams. You know what I mean? Like he's talented. He's on a high flying offense as well. Like we seen him succeed last year in a 50 50. Now he's on a better offense and he's going to get 15% more of the touches. Why not? You know, it makes sense. It, It maths out. Right. So I've well, you got 16 seconds. Hurry up here. Yeah. So um, don't auto pick here. I think that uh, there's there's one guy in particular that's got my eye, and um, I I feel like I would normally take him, but I see someone with a little bit more upside here. Oh, yes. Drafting from another person's playbook. Tell us about your pick. So let's rewind a little bit. So after you took Zeke Elliott, we had AJ Brown, then tight end Mark Andrews. Second tight end off the board at the 3-3 spot. Leonard Fournette goes. Mike Evans. Then I take Michael Pittman uh, out of Indianapolis. We've talked a lot about him on the podcast. I know, Red, that's your one of your favorite guys this year. Um, I'm happy with him as my second receiver. I was looking at it between Pittman and 
James Conner. I think that, you know, Benjamin's going to eat into James Conner's role a little more than people realize. And Pittman, he's the only locked in number one receiver tied in any, any kind of pass catcher on that team with the upgrade to Matt Ryan. Yeah. I think he could catch well over a hundred passes. He's in good shape. And we have Kyle Pitts. Our third tight end off the board comes at three seven. Second quarterback comes off the board at the three eight spot with Justin Herbert. Still think that's too early. James Conner goes at three nine. Cam Akers at three ten. T Higgins at three eleven. And Red, you with a minute on the clock. You've got three twelve, and then the four one. Yes, I do. And man, that that Pittman pick really really hurt me. But you know what? You're going to be put in situations in drafts where your guy's going to get taken off the board and you're going to get stuck with, well, who the hell do I take now? Um, with this being a PPR league, you know, me understanding the scoring system, which is huge. You need to know things like that going into draft. Uh, with that being a PPR league, I am going to take Deontay Johnson at the 312. And this is where I am conflicted. It's between Jalen Waddle and DJ Moore. And it's more of, do I trust Tua? Do I trust Baker? You know, Waddle's kind of the second option with Tyreek Hill. I wouldn't even say that. They're kind of more 1A, 1A. I think that's how it was described. So mm-hmm. they're both going to have their big games versus DJ Moore. Like, he's kind of the unquestioned wide receiver one in Carolina. But we're talking about Carolina and Baker Mayfield. So... Um, I'm curious what the tight end position looks like. Now, with George Kittle, we've always talked about his talent. Do we trust him more so with a slight upgrade at quarterback with Baker Mayfield? And even is Baker Mayfield an upgrade at quarterback from Sam Darnold? I don't even think it boils down to that. I mean, even if he's a better quarterback than Darnold, I mean, that offensive line is still going to leak defenders like a leaky faucet really bad. (laughs) So, I mean... I think I know my pick here, though. I'm going to take Travis TTN right here and anchor down that three RB that you're talking about, Grantham. I like ETN quite a bit. I know he's not your pure runner or anything like that, but, man, he's explosive. I mean, he could play every bit of what Alvin Kamara used to be. You know, maybe not as good because we are talking about Jacksonville, but, I mean, if Trevor Lawrence hits, Travis ETN is the pass catching back there. I'm I'm buying that in the fourth round. I, yeah, I don't like ETN as my number two back. I like him way more as my number three back. Um, taking him at the top of the fourth round, a little little rich for me. But if that's the way your roster looks and you don't see anyone else that you really like at that spot, then I, I don't have a problem with taking that. I feel Travis like ETN I can get there. wide receivers later. Like, Casey, you said you would love to have Hollywood Brown as your wide receiver one. He's still on the board. We all like Allen Robinson. Uh, Grant, Mike Grantham, I know you like Chris Godwin and the Sun God, Alvin Ross, St. Brown. So Absolutely. there's a lot of wide receivers on the board, and I know how quick running backs go. And the other night I displayed zero RB, but tonight I'm displaying, you know, anchor down your running backs. Right. So right after ETN, we have Mahomes go, third quarterback, Kittle, fourth tight end, and then three straight receivers, Terry McLaurin, Jalen Waddell, and Jerry Judy. I'm on the board at 4-7. And this isn't something I get to do very often, but I'm excited to do it. I'm taking Lamar Jackson here. I think nice. he's like at a really ideal quarterback. If he could, he's probably getting scooped up in round three um, in a lot of drafts. So if you can get him with a mid to late fourth, like I got him here at the four seven, 
Um, especially if you decide to go a little light on running back early, then he's someone that can kind of help. So if you just want someone that has blow up potential every single week, then Lamar Jackson's your guy. And it's usually obviously because of his running ability. He can run for a thousand yards and throw for 4,000. It would not be crazy to see something like that, or maybe not 4,000, a little less, somewhere around that number. But um, in terms of just the rushing upside on any given week, man, he's just unbelievable. We haven't seen a guy like this since Michael Vick back in his heyday. So at the four, seven, even though I'm not a big proponent of taking quarterbacks early, um, I, I would do it right there. And then we followed up with DJ Moore, David Montgomery, Mike Williams, DK Metcalf, and then Big Mike is on the clock at the 412. So in, the, in this spot, now I've, I've taken my 101 of Taylor. I've got Williams and Elliott. I have three really, uh, really solid running backs that I'm very confident in. So from this point out, I'm not worried about getting that next running back. I have three guys that I can rotate between and I can even play all three with one in the flex. Now's the time where I really got to start looking at these receivers. And I think I'm looking for guys with just huge upside. And the first guy that I'm looking at has to be new to the LA Rams. Casey, this is probably one of your guys that you've been looking at for a while, but it's Allen Robinson. Uh, somebody that I'm, super interested in in a new system we saw last year what stafford could do i'm curious how he follows that up i don't expect too much to change but i think robinson's going to be in a great situation yeah i mean he goes from being in one of the worst quarterback spots in the nfl to being in one of the best so obviously we expect some uh, progression there they signed him to a big money deal so you know they got plans to involve him and then if you just listen to what the reporters have been saying all camp all spring everything is just that Allen robinson is lighting it up team is so excited to use him in a you know much better way than he's been used the last couple of years by the bears this could be his career season his best season of his career uh this year with the rams so um, yeah, if you're going to wait on the wide receiver spot, Allen Robinson is someone that I'm a big believer in. He's got size, he's got adequate speed. He's not even the number one receiver there with Cooper Cup, but you know that they're going to uh, get the ball to him anyway. So, it's, yeah, they're at the 412. That's that's an excellent pick. I, I definitely expect him to uh, kind of fit into the Bobby Trees role, but do it in a big way. Yeah, uh, Robert Woods did not for as good as he was, he's not as physically imposing as Allen Robinson. is. He's a very different kind of receiver than they've had there with the Rams for a long time. So I'm curious as to see how they're going to utilize him because they don't, you know, they've had some, you know, undersized route running kind of receivers like, yeah, Woods. They've had, you know, they spent a high draft pick years ago on Tavon Austin, you know, know Cooper Cup as like a big slot receiver, but Robinson's someone that could do a little bit of everything. Well, you know what they say in L.A., fuck them picks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, for my for my next pick on this turn, you know, we're coming in with Allen Robinson. There's tons of upside here. But there's somebody else who I think has a ton of upside as well. I usually don't try to do this, but for a mock draft, I think I want to follow this up with Cortland Sutton. I knew it. You have a new that quarterback does, that's going to throw this ball. He's locked into a new contract. I think Cortland Sutton is a premium this year. He he's always been looked at as a guy that has huge upside. I'm excited to see what he can do 
with a quarterback that's competent. Yep, there was reports that actually came out when uh, the Melvin Gordon news dropped, but uh, Cortland Sutton's Russell Wilson's favorite target at camp. And, you know, if we want anybody to be DK Metcalf, because DK Metcalf's not going to be DK this year, right. uh, it's going to be Cortland Sutton playing in a role like that. And his touchdown outside is through the roof, man. That's through the roof. And on, my, on yeah. this team, looking at Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams, Elliott, Robinson, and now Sutton, I'm suddenly feeling very confident in a team that drafted from the 101 and had to wait 20 something picks to get a second player. Yep. Yeah. yeah first uh, waiting, you know, you, you have Zeke Elliott as your third running back or Javante Williams, depending on how you look at it. And so Robinson Sutton, they're both players that should be on very pass friendly offenses with good quarterbacks. I feel like wide receiver two numbers in the bank, basically no matter what for Sutton. All right, um, so after that, Antonio Gibson goes at 5'2", a little early for me still. Uh, yep. Josh Jacobs at 5'3", eh, that's about right. And then the double tight ends, we have Dalton Schultz and Darrell Waller go back to back. I'm very considering... interested with Dalton Schultz in the fifth round. I was uh, going to probably lean that way and with this next pick that I've got. Um, I, I, he was definitely on my list of players that I, I was targeting. Um, at this point, though, I'm going to take another running back, and I'm taking Elijah Mitchell out of San Francisco. He seems to just like someone I keep scooping up no matter what. Like in the fifth, sixth round, he just keeps falling to me. I think on a good 49ers team where he's the clear lead back as long as he's healthy, which to a degree is a question mark because he had some injuries last year. But um, as long as he's healthy – yeah, strong RB2. I feel like I said this the other day. He's just like a mid RB2 through and through. Not a high, not a low, just a mid. And, you know, for me, I got Aaron Jones as my number one back, having a reliable second back. Um, happy with that at the 5-6. Uh, Brees Hall, Amari Cooper, J.K. Dobbins, Joe Burrow, Brandon Cooks go off the board. Red, you're at the, on the clock at 5-12. I'm going after Michael Pittman here, so I'm going to take Hollywood Brown so I can get Michael <laughs> Pittman from you. <laughs> yeah, I kind of no, knew. Um, yeah, I'm talked already. On Brown. Honestly, the upside with Hollywood Brown, I mean, I'm not the biggest Hollywood Brown truther, but sitting here in the fifth round, he's the number one receiver for Kyler Murray until DeAndre Hopkins comes back. They have the chemistry back from college, so um, – He's not a bad pick right here in the fifth round. Nothing that I'm overly excited about, but it's something that's not going to hurt me. And we've seen that he's had big games with Lamar Jackson as well. So I'm definitely going to take the upside of Hollywood Brown right here in the fifth. I'm also going to follow that up with a little bit of a reach here. He's number 70 on the overall, but looking at the running backs, I'm already set at running backs. I need to be filling out my depth chart here or even my starting lineup. So I really don't need a fourth running back quarterbacks i'm gonna wait on for a little for a little while the tight end position i mean i guess i could take a flyer on tj hawkinson maybe dallas goddard or zach Ertz. but honestly i feel like adam thielen is gonna have one of the bigger years this year as a loyalist you can definitely call me a loyalist and i'll drink from that fruit punch cup of coffee beer whatever you want me to drink from but Anyways, um, I mean, it's an O'Connell offense, and we've definitely seen two wide receivers succeed in his offense. So, I mean, 
I'm not going to sit here and say Kirk Cousins is going to have a Matthew Stafford blow up here, but I think Kirk Cousins sits in as a back-end quarterback one, and he's going to be able to support two wide receivers. And we know Adam Thielen is a huge red zone target. He's a favorite of Kirk Cousins. No matter how good and talented Justin Jefferson is, there's room for Adam Thielen to be successful, and I'm getting him as my wide receiver three in the sixth round. Yes, sir, I'll take that. Take that all day. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Adam Thielen. You know, obviously messing around with the loyalist thing because um, I've been open about how much I like Adam Thielen. Everyone looks at that age. Oh, he's 30. They see that three and they get scared off. But he's been one of the best red zone wide receivers in the NFL for a couple years now. They got the same quarterback. We keep talking about the Vikings, you know, better coach, more offensive friendly coach. Adam Thielen should absolutely outscore his wide, re- wide receiver three status. You get him at 6-1 is, is solid. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes next. Someone that's kind of been rising up my board a little bit. Darnell Mooney, Kyler Murray, Chris Godwin, Jalen Hurts at the 6'6". So I'm back on the board at the 6'7". Kind of go do a couple different things here. Um, I could definitely use another receiver. I haven't taken a tight end yet. I do kind of feel like TJ Hawkinson's that, just about that cutoff. Maybe might be the cutoff of, you know, a locked in solid tight end versus someone you're going to stream week to week. A uh, few other guys I'm considering here, but I like Hawkinson enough to take him right here in the middle of the sixth round. Uh, Michael Thomas goes after that. Amon Ross St. Brown, AJ Dillon, who I actually was considering taking, even though I owned Aaron Jones, thought that'd be kind of an interesting, be a nice one two punch. Yeah. It's like a little, I don't know if you call that handcuffing because they both have standalone value, but um, if that were to happen, you know, I'd be covering my ass if something happened to either one of those guys. Um, but then Rashad Bateman goes, and then you're back on the clock, Mike. Yeah, Mike, I can I guess you, your next we, pick? I, we all know it, but before we talk about that next pick, we're going to talk about what happened right here on the board. <laughs> before <laughs> this next pick that I'm going to make, there was two guys that I was very much interested in, and that's Sun God, Amon Ross, St. Brown. I love this kid and his opportunity on the Lions. Even though I can't pick him, I encourage everybody listening. He's a guy that's going to have a lot of opportunities through a good chunk of this upcoming season before uh, anything slows down for him. And then Rashad Bateman, I love this kid. I love his opportunity on the Ravens. I think he's a great pick, uh, especially in a dynasty league. This kid's going to have a good career going forward. And Red already said it. He already knows my next pick. But I'm still going to talk about him anyways. Uh, Gabe Davis has all the opportunity (laughs) in the world. And he's been described as an excellent receiver by a lot of different guys in this league. He's sitting with one of the best quarterbacks out there. And to have him as my six-round wide receiver three, the opportunity is through the roof. I will absolutely take that and run with it. Yeah. That's, that's little rich for me. Nice yeah, a little rich for me. Hey. I uh, I think I've talked about how I'm not a big fan of Gabe Davis. I know that I'm like oh, one Gabe of Davis few. isn't a big fan of you, Casey. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> I, say, I, know on, I know I know I'm on the outside on that one. I know a lot of people are looking forward to him having a big season, and I just I don't think it's going to be as big as people would like. I think the hype's a little out of control. I and certainly I, like him over the other receivers that are currently available. I see a couple that I'd like to have over him. If you say DeAndre Hopkins, we're fighting. Oh, it's not going to be Hopkins. But he's still on the board, so I don't want to give my secrets away. Well, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Tell me who to pick next. No. Um, typically, I'm not one to to do what I'm about to do. I typically like to have a good cast of characters, and then I'll find somebody to come in later. Uh, I typically like to fade the quarterback position. But seeing how my team is playing out, seeing how this is a mock draft, I like to play around with strategy. My second round pick, Javante Williams. I think this kid has big opportunity. My fifth round pick at 5-1 is Cortland Sutton. I also think this kid has huge opportunity. So it only seems right in my seventh round pick. Let's pick up the master behind it all, Russell Wilson. I'm going to take every touchdown that the Broncos get this season. Russell, the they love muscle. do look like they're going to be one of the better bounce back teams this year. You go make a trade for uh, an elite quarterback like Russell Wilson, and they've got the receivers and everything there too. So, yeah, that that seven one pick you taking a quarterback like that, and he's still got some running ability too. Absolutely. I like it. He's got some. He's not terribly old, so I don't think the rushing is going to slow down. His injury history is pretty clean. And he can chuck the moon ball like nobody's business. DK Metcalf has all the value he has because of Wilson. Yeah, and Jerry Judy and a lot of offensive players on Denver that are going to be much better than they've been the last few seasons. Um, After Russell Wilson, Miles Sanders goes. Not a big fan of him. They just picked up Trey Sermon off waivers. So um, we'll see what Sermon does on a new team, but I'm not a big fan of Sanders there. Tom Brady goes to the 7-3. DeAndre Hopkins, who suspended six games, goes at 7-4. Then you have Damian Harris at the 7-5. I'm here back at the middle of the seventh round, and I need to add a receiver. And the guy that I did not think would fall to me did fall to me. Not a, I have not been a big fan of Juju Smith-Schuster for a couple years, but in Kansas City... With no Tyreek Hill, oh yeah, I think that we could see. He's only 25. They almost signed him last year. He just had to come back to the Steelers one more time. So uh, as a wide receiver three, we're in it's a pass-happy offense. Even if he doesn't go, you know, being their true number one receiver, I think there's a lot of slot snaps available for him to take, and uh, he could end up as a high-volume catch guy, kind of like how he's generally been um, in his NFL career. Hunter Front Renfro goes right after that. Who that was someone I was considering. Dallas Goddard, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard, Cordell Patterson, and Red Year on the board. I need a tight end. I need a tight end. Fade the tight end. Be a man. And I got my tight end. This is where it falls off. And I waited till the seventh round to get Zach Ertz. Um, red zone target for Kyler Murray. Uh, low key, I got Tyler. Kyler. I said. I said Tyler Murray. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got Kyler Murray as a top five quarterback this year. So um, all the weapons and everything there. Yeah, I know it's oh the target share. And, you know, he's not going to get 100 yards every game. I don't need him to get 100 yards every game. I need him to get me 14 fantasy points out of the tight end position. And I'm going to shut my mouth and be happy. Would you guys not be OK with 14 points out of your tight end position? Well, out of the I'm tight end that. position, I would be ecstatic if I could be in a double digit zone. Just because one thing that we know for certain when we play fantasy football is that the tight end position is all about the haves and the have-nots. At a certain point, once the big three kind of trickle away, you kind of just have to hope that somebody has a good 
good, solid, productive year. Yep. But as, as, as pass happy as Arizona is, you know, I have, I like the upside in Zach Ertz, especially being in the red zone. He was so good down the stretch. And for him being with the team for only half the year, he caught on to that offense pretty quick. So now he's had a full off. I know he's not the youngest, but here we are still driving, drafting Travis Kelsey at the 2-2. So, I mean, not going to sit here and say Zach Ertz is going to be a league winner, but he's not going to hurt me right here at the 7-12. He's most likely going to help my team more than anything. I'm going to follow that pick up, though, with – is who do I believe in more? Do I believe in the wide receiver two for Trey Lance? Or do I b- believe in the wide receiver one for Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson? Oh, that's a rough one. That is a rough one. I got 16 seconds to figure it out. I like the upside of Elijah Moore. He just grades out as a better overall wide receiver. I'm just going to take the talent opposed to the situation. Elijah Moore is someone that uh, I've heard a lot of good things about, but the quarterback situation there scares me a little bit. So they did draft the the MILF hunter is gold. He will be. (laughs) Yeah, Zach Wilson might miss a week or so, but then he should be able to get back on track. Uh, Garrett Wilson's presence there heard that he kind of had an up and down camp. You know, they still got a. You know Braxton Berrios. I know that like most people aren't thinking about him, but I just got a hunch he's gonna he's gonna play into that slot role there. Um, so after Elijah Moore, Chase Edmonds, Alan Lazard, who was probably gonna be my pick, Devin Singletary, which was also someone I was considering, um, Kenneth Walker and Drake London. Now I'm on the board with a couple of my guys that have just been sniped. Oof. So you hate to see it. You kind of look at this running back landscape. I've only got two. Um, if I'm going to add a third one, I want some good upside here. I'm looking at Damian Pierce from Houston. I know he looks like he might have that job locked up to himself. but His bad. ADP has risen a lot. Yes, it's gone up considerably. Uh, but I think that there's a different running back that's kind of in the same range as him that we I keep coming back to. Yeah, mm. and that's Ramondre Stevenson. He was someone Ooh. I was a big fan of last year, too. Got him in a bunch of rookie drafts in like the fourth round in uh, Dynasty Leagues. Um, so this is redraft, so getting him halfway through, literally like the eight seven in a sixteen round draft, like we're doing here, is literally the. So I got him right in the smack middle of the draft, as a guy that can take over the RB one spot. There, he's definitely got a little bit more versatility than Damian Harris does. Damian Harris doesn't catch passes, and Stevenson does. Now we still don't know how that role is going to shake out with James White gone. Heard a lot of good things about Ty Montgomery. He's a little banged up. Doesn't sound serious, but I would say if you're going to wait on your running back, Stevenson is a great one to wait for. Absolutely. Pick 8-8, Rashad Penny. Then we have Devontae Smith, Brandon Ayuk, Dawson Knox, and Mike is back on the board with the last pick of the eight round. You know, I got to tell you, of those four guys that went after your uh, Ramadre Stevenson pick, three of them is what I would consider all snipes. I was really interested in – uh, Devonta Smith, Brandon Ayuk, and Dawson Knox just for their upside. And I, I really think that's the theme that my team uh, keeps coming back to is pure upside. And this might be a little bit of a reach. I'm not sure. Um, I would go for a Tyler Lockett in this situation. He's still on the board. But his quarterback situation just makes me really nervous. So I'm going to go with somebody who I think is in a position – to be that wide receiver one on a team that 
might have some issues with their rookie that they just drafted this year. And for me, that's going to be Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, the guy that doesn't even live in the forest. Nah. <laughs> well, just, they, you talked about their rookie so quarterback. Outside. We'll see. You know, they got Ryan Tannehill as a starter there, but Malik Willis looked pretty good in the preseason. If something happens to Tannehill, you know. And to the guy that needs to catch the football, we've heard a lot of ups and downs, mostly downs, about Traylon Burns. But – Robert Woods has always been a solid player. He's always put up numbers. And he's in a situation where, you know, yes, Derrick Henry is a Yeti. He's going to take the first, second, and third touches. But somebody's got to be up there to catch that football, and I think that's going to be Robert Woods. He is the de facto number one receiver there. I trust him more than Traylon Burks or anybody else. So I've uh... – the only thing that was worrisome for me was he's coming off that ACL tear, but all camp and everything he's been saying, no issues. Don't even think about it. Not limited. He seems ready to go. And there's not going to be uh slow played into the season. So as a number one receiver on a run heavy team is upside is capped to a degree, but I do like, I do like him at this spot. What's your next pick, Mike? My next pick, uh, when we look at a lot of these guys, we've been talking about the tight end position, the haves, the have-nots. I'm going to pick a guy that literally can only go up from here and going into the season. This tight end last year had zero touchdowns, so I can't wait for him to shatter that ceiling this year. He's (laughs) on a team that doesn't really have a lot of guys out there competing for the ball. Cole Komet, I think, is in a great position to nice really step into his own. And we know a lot of tight ends wait until that third year to really uh, explode onto the scene. So the only thing that worries me about him is you know, bad team, bad quarterback kind of situation. He didn't even catch a touchdown last year. But I saw a stat line the other day that did surprise me a little bit. And it's got me rethinking Cole Komet. So he had 93 targets last year. That's a lot. 60 a catches. Number. 60 catches for 612 yards on a bad team with a bad quarterback. And there are reports coming out of this camp that says that the Bears are playing to the strengths of Justin Fields. They're letting him run this ball a little bit more. They're letting him get outside of the pocket. So if he can get outside of the pocket, get away from this Matt Nagy offense and his handcuff that was Matt Nagy's playbook, I think Cole Komet can have a huge season being that guy. Yeah, um, I do expect them, you know, their quarterback situation to be a little bit better than last year. Justin Fields is a year older. They're not playing Andy Dalton. So um, it's not going to be complete trash. There's hope there, but there should be a a better quarterback play this year than last year. And even if it's just marginally better, that could be the difference between Cole Komet scoring no touchdowns. And now that he's basically the number two receiver in that offense, he could score six or eight touchdowns. So, yeah, if you're going to take a – uh, throw a dart on a late round tight end. He is a former second round pick was the top tight end of his class two seasons ago. Um, so he's not, he's not the worst option. It's just beware of all your Chicago bears. It's just kind of what I'm thinking. You know, that's two of my picks that you've come at me for. So we have, we have, <laughs> we have some words after we record this podcast, sir. <laughs> right. Uh, I got to hurry up. Cause my picks coming up. Dak Prescott goes Traylon Burks, Aaron Rodgers, Tyler Lockett. And then I'm going to take someone who I was considering last round. I talked about him. Damian Pierce. I thought he maybe mid eighth round he would go. I took Stevenson instead, waited for the nine six, and Pierce somehow fell to me. So as my fourth running back, 
I know he's a rookie on a bad team, but he does look like he's going to be the default option in that backfield. They're, it's between him and Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack is on the practice squad, but if he's on the practice squad, it's, he's there for a reason. So I'm good with Pierce here in the mid-ninth. Um, James Cook, Bill's defense goes here way too early for defense. I think we'll all agree to that. Chris Olave, Matthew Stafford, Trey Lance, and then Red is on the board. I am really stoked those quarterbacks went off the board. Um, Dak, Rodgers, Stafford, Lance. Um, I I actually would have taken Lance over the quarterback I'm going to take right now. I would have taken Stafford. I said Stafford, right? I didn't say Lance, right? Sorry. Um, Did you not take Lance? I'm not taking Lance. I, I mean, I would take Stafford over Cousins is what I'm saying. But anyways, yeah, I'm taking Kirk Cousins right here. I like the upside, the O'Connell offense. I think Kirk Cousins can have that, not the same step up that Stafford had. I mentioned it earlier, but I just think he can be a really nice back-end quarterback one that I'm getting right here in the ninth round after my roster was already filled out. You know, the guys that took Herbert, uh, Mahomes, Josh Allen, they missed out on guys like Nick Chubb, Keenan Allen, Tyreek Hill. Uh, the guy that took Mahomes missed out on Kittle, McClurin, Jalen Waddle. Like those are all the insulation that your team needs to go win a championship. That's what your team needs is depth. I don't care how stacked your lineup is. You right. need depth to go all the way through playoffs. Player gets hurt. It's like blowing out a tire and not having a spare. You know, you, you got to have the depth. So, you know, I played this out where I was able to fill out my flex plays. Like, I got Elijah Moore and Travis Etienne. I could f- switch up in my flex. So, um, really paid off taking a quarterback late. Uh, I am going to follow that up, though, with Melvin Gordon. Um, reports coming out, you know, he might get 45% of the touches. Really don't care what the reports are saying. I'm in on Melvin Gordon. I've been a buyer of him all off season, especially in my dynasty leagues where I'm in a win-now situation. I've been buying them for third round picks and it's going to be a backup running or a running back. That's going to get touches and has a role in a high scoring offense. Granted, he might just be a poor man's AJ Dillon, but Hey man, I'm still going to take the touchdown upside. I don't care if Javonta Williams is there. I think Melvin Gordon's probably one of the better running backs on the board right now, especially over guys like Michael Carter, James Robinson, Alexander Madison's a handcuff at this point. I mean, it really falls off right there. And honestly, one Javante Williams injury, Melvin Gordon's a running back one. Hey, well, you know, the same could be said in the other direction, sir. One Melvin Gordon injury away from a RB1 Javante Williams. I'll drink to that cup of coffee. Yeah, I would say that I'd rather have Gordon because I do expect him to split touches a little bit more than everyone else does. But they're both RB1 options if – Something happens to the other guy, so definitely. Don't be the of reason here, sir. Don't be. The <laughs> That's the thing you say, Red. Who told you to make sense? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after Melvin Gordon goes at the ten one, at the ten two, we have Pat Fryermuth. Another defense goes at the ten three by the uh, Buccaneers. Uh, George Pickens, rookie receiver from Pittsburgh, goes ten four. Garrett Wilson, rookie from the Jets, ten five. Christian Kirk goes 10-6. Christian Kirk would have probably been the pick if we were sitting right here. Um, I don't really like a lot of the receiving options around here, although I probably need a receiver more than anything. I got one guy that kind of sticks out to me, though, out of everyone that's available that uh, I'm going to go ahead and take, and that's Naheem Hines. Seems Ooh. like he's going in this late. He's going too way too late for me. Uh, he's my fifth running back, but, you know, if, 
got flex spots and stuff. Let's maybe say Stevenson doesn't end up as the top running back there. Pierce gets a slow start. I think Hines could be enough of a PPR option to be my third running back. So I'm good with that. Then LA Rams defense goes Mike Gesicki, Michael Carter, Chase Claypool, and Mike is back on the clock at the end of the 10th round. So again, this is a spot where I find myself having been picked off. First, Christian Kirkman, Christian Kirkman off the board. And then I was really interested in Naheem Hines. Uh, I'm big on handcuffs, especially somebody like uh, Jonathan Taylor, who's going to have so much work in front of him that if something does happen, Naheem Hines is the worst kept secret in the NFL. That's a, it's a Casey quote from one of the last podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's tons of upside to having Naheem Hines, especially in the 10th round. So that's it's a great pick for you. Uh, the other guy was Chase Claypool. I was really interested in Chase Claypool and his upside in the 10th round, but that's no longer on the board. So I I have to pivot. And somebody who I'm interested in pivoting to is, again, somebody with a ton of upside, and that's going to be Sky Moore. I think if he can etch out his place on the field, if he can catch these passes from Patrick Mahomes, I think as a rookie he does have a chance to be impactful. Yeah, I think that McCole Hardman there in Kansas City, his time is just about up. So you look at a pass-heavy offense, who are the top three receivers? Well, they got Travis Kelsey, they signed Marcus Valdez-Scantling, signed Juju Smith-Schuster, but they burned a second-round pick. I shouldn't say burned. They used a second-round pick on Sky Moore, who is extremely fast, plays like kind of how McCole Hardman did when he was coming out. So... Um, if he can just do better than what Hardman did, Hardman just couldn't really get on the field. Probably had something to do with Tyree Kill blocking him for a bit. Well, Sky Moore doesn't have that problem. He's got McCole Hardman blocking him. So assuming he can uh, get into that top three role, then yeah, he could absolutely end up being like a high-end flex wide receiver three throughout the course of the season. I assume that his consistency will not be great as a rookie and with a couple other guys that they're breaking into this offense It'll take some time to figure out who the top guy is, but Sky Moore could, by the end of the season, end up being that top guy. So very good upside here at the end of round 10. Absolutely, and I'm always interested in upside. Um, without some of these you know, upside guys, you, know, you really can't justify some of these picks. So I'm totally cool with if it's a little bit of a reach, if it's not a little bit of a reach. But one of these guys who I think has some upside – Maybe it's a crowded offense. Maybe it's not. But this person has a lot of experience in the league. And like I said, maybe it's a little bit of a reach. But I think Jarvis Landry has some value being an 11th round, sixth ride receiver on my bench. Uh, if we were just talking about having guys to get you through the year, if something happens or somebody doesn't pan out, I think Jarvis Landry could be – uh, an emergency get-out-of-jail-free card somewhere down the line. Yeah, even on his bad weeks, because he's always been a high-volume slot receiver. He's obviously now in New Orleans. We uh, talked about him. I think I mentioned how he's one of my favorite late-round guys. It would not be weird to see him just about every week do something like six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown every other week. Right. right? In, in PPR leagues, it's 12 points, and every other week you're getting 18. I'll take that. That's pretty yeah. solid. That's as a solid a bi- flex guy. That could be a little bit more than that. that. Yeah. 
he was definitely uh, someone I was considering would have uh, very likely been this next pick that I was going to take here. Um, after you selected Jarvis Landry, Derek Cargo, someone I'm a big fan of as a late round quarterback. Here he goes in the second pick of the 11th round. Julio Jones goes 11-3. Alexander Madison goes 11-4. We have our first kicker, Matt Gay of the Rams, goes at pick five. So I'm on the board here at pick six. I got to take a receiver, and man, I just don't really like a lot of these guys that are out there. Um, but if you at this point, it's like you got to throw some darts, even at guys that you don't like the offense on. I'm not a fan of the New York Giants, but Kadarius Tony, in terms of all these other guys that are sitting here, a guy that could end up being a wide receiver one or two, don't expect him to. He's probably more of a wide receiver three flex kind of guy, but if you're looking for an athletic player in a in a position to be a number one receiver, even if it's on a bad team. I think the upside is there for Tony. I'm going to go ahead and take him as my number four receiver here in the middle of the eleventh round. It's a nice pick. One of the reasons why I picked him up on the, in the in our draft on Sunday was in the games where he played and he was healthy. He had nine targets, thirteen targets, twelve targets, and nine targets. Huge. That is eye-opening. So getting a guy like that and is with as with as explosive as he is, um, getting him in the eleventh round, you know, you can consider that, you know, a sleeper. (laughs) So I don't think I don't think it'd be crazy that if we see a little bit of um a Debo Samuel kind of role, because a lot of these guys that come out of Florida, Florida is like they had Percy Harvin. I'm forgetting who the they've had one or two other guys that played these like hybrid roles like this. And Kadarius Tony is just like one of the more recent ones, especially because the Giants got next to nothing behind Barkley. I don't think it would be crazy to see Tony take five, six snaps per game out of the backfield, even if he uh, doesn't catch a pass or run. And you could see him out there and do it every now and then. So um, he's just like an offensive offensive weapon. Um, so that's at the 11, six, 11, seven, the Ravens defense goes Albert O tied in from Denver goes 11, eight James Robinson goes 11, nine Tyler Boyd at 10, the Niners defense at 11 and red is on the board at the end of the 11th round. What do we got here, bro? Well, if Kirk cousins flops, I got quarterback in Miami too, a throwing to Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So what's better than that? Right? Yeah. tua has got a lot of, People on his corner this offseason, Tyree Kill said a lot of good things. New head coach Mike McDaniel said a lot of good things. I've heard just generally good things about two. I have not heard that he's missing the mark, that he's, you know, struggling in camp. I've heard nothing but the opposite. So here at the back end of the 11th round, you're going to take a stab at a second quarterback. That's a good one to take a stab at, especially with those receivers he's got over there. And then I'm going to follow it up with my backup tight end, David Njoku with Cleveland. Uh, not a lot of nothing to really get excited about, but he's just really one of those athletic um, players. There's not a lot of passing options in Cleveland. The quarterback situation is probably not going to be what we want it to be until maybe this time next year when um, Watson actually gets a full year under his belt. I, he's going to be away from the team for what until week 12, he can finally come back. So it's – I really think by the time he gets his stride and actually starts producing, it's going to be too late in the season. But when there's really bad quarterback play, I kind of feel like the tight end is that bad quarterback's best friend. So just taking the upside of Najoku, that offense can still run the football. 
this and that. I'm just going to take hoping he just falls into the end zone, red zone. Uh, hopefully he gets those targets. So Njoku in the 12th round, just taking the touchdown upside as my backup tight end. That's, that's pretty solid. I'm going to um... – yeah, that's. I think that's a solid reason. I like David Njoku more in real life than I, I do in fantasy just because the QB situation hurts him, but he's worth a stab here this late. Um, got a couple kickers come off the board. Harrison Butker from KC, Justin Tucker from Baltimore, Chargers defense. Uh, Bengals kicker Evan McPherson goes at 12-5. Daryl Henderson at 12-6. I think that is robbery. He has a chance to basically be splitting carries with Cam Akers, so if he's going that late, um, someone to keep an eye on. Um, I am going to go ahead and take another receiver here, and I'm going to take Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We talked about how there's a lot of snaps open in this KC passing offense with uh, Tyree Kill being gone. They got just basically a whole new core of receivers other than Travis Kelsey coming back. So um, MVS, he progressed and developed when he was with Green Bay, kind of got better every season. He's got Mahomes thrown to him now and an offense that might even throw more than what Green Bay did. There's an opportunity for him to be like a wide receiver four flex kind of guy. So I got him here as my wide receiver five in the middle of round 12. Um, Romeo Dubs from Green Bay. After that, at the 12-8. Buffalo's kicker, Tyler Bass, goes 12-9. Tyler Higby, 12-10. Saints defense, at the 12-11. And with the end of the 12th round, Mike is on the board. So I'm in a spot now where as somebody drafting this team, I have to keep in mind that I, I haven't picked a running back since the third round. I've six receivers, a quarterback, a tight end. And now I need to have some of that just in case who has this upside, who can I look to, towards for a bye week And I think somebody that, Again, it's a reach, but when, when you're out here in this 12th, 13th round, I don't know if you can really call anybody a reach, but the first person I'm taking is going to be J.D. McKissick. Unfortunately, uh, Brian Robinson, who was having a fantastic camp, taking the backfield by storm, he was shot in an attempted robbery of sorts. Um, obviously, we wish him a speedy recovery, but J.D. McKissick for a good while now, is going to have the same workload that he's kind of always had. So in the 12th round, I'm definitely willing to take pass catching work uh, with a guy who now has Carson Wentz on his team that just showed the world that the check down is still a viable option. Yeah. McKissick. um, I think he was banged up for parts of last year too. 53 targets caught 43 of them for 397, but just one season before that, 110 targets, 80 catches, only 589. Doesn't kind of catch a lot of touchdowns, but when you're catching that amount of passes, you've got my attention. So and um, as far as far as Carson Wentz goes, uh, J- Jonathan Taylor last year had 51 targets with 40 receptions. These are not the same guys. These are not the same caliber of running backs. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But the checkdown was there. Right. He also threw yeah. in Naheem Hines, too. So, I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see what that total number was just to the running back position as a whole. So, I mean, there's probably more targets to the running back position than what we think. You are absolutely correct. There was another 57 for Naheem Hines. Oh, dude, 100 targets going to the That's running back position. So many check down targets for the running back position. And, I think and it's a Ron Rivera offense where they yep. consistently threw to McCaffrey. 
Ron Rivera is now in Washington, enter the same offense, and you get – yeah, that's a good pick right there at the 12-12. I, I'm not against it. And as I wrap around for my 13.1 pick, I want somebody, again, who has a ton of upside. And for me, we talked about it earlier with the Cole Komet pick. I think Justin Fields has the opportunity to come through and learn from last year, move forward in a new style of offense that is playing to his strengths so he can be the quarterback that he was supposed to be. One thing that we know for certain is that RG3, one of the smartest guys to ever play this game, is ecstatic about Justin Fields going into year two. So I'll drink to that cup of coffee to steal your words, Red, and I'll pick up Justin Fields for a 13th round backup quarterback. Hey, I like RG3. I don't know if he's ever been regarded as one of the smartest QBs to play. I do like him. He's got great analysis on ESPN. I've got my fingers crossed that he's actually going to join the XFL. That's, again, conversation for another day. Well, maybe he wasn't one of the smartest football IQs out there, but he's one of the smartest guys to play the game. I mean, hey, guy won a Heisman Trophy, played in the league for a while, just kind of got a little banged up, and yeah, those analysts on ESPN. Hey, you got to know something. One more time, Casey, I'm going to fight you. (laughs) So after Fields, we got Daniel Carlson, kicker from Vegas, uh, Cowboys defense, Colts defense, then Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I'm here in the middle of this uh, 13th round, kind of looking at these backup quarterbacks now. And uh, there's two guys that stick out to me, but I'm going to go ahead and take the one I think that's got a little bit better upside, and that's Jameis Winston. He was being pretty efficient last year as the starter, um, not really thrown for crazy numbers. I think that's just because he's playing a little safe uh, his first season as a Saints starter after sitting behind Breeze for a bit. But he's healthy. They added to his receiving core. Michael Thomas is back. Chris Olave, first-round pick. They traded up for him. We talked about Jarvis Landry pretty recently. And Alvin Kamara is one of the better receiving running backs in the league. I think Jameis Winston does not have to be super flashy to be a serviceable fantasy quarterback. I think he's the, the offensive line is extremely strong. Their uh, rookie left tackle is going to unfortunately miss at least the first month of the season, probably much more uh, Trevor Panning. But James Hurst is going to play left tackle for them in the meantime, and he should be solid. So great offensive line. I think the group of receivers is outstanding. I'm happy with the running back situation. I think Jameis Winston, again, too, with we've talked about this in the past with Pete Carmichael, their offensive coordinator, is returning, even though they have a new head coach in Dennis Allen. A lot of continuity with the coaching staff, just upgraded some of the skill position players and got healthy. So Jameis Winston, big fan. I got him in the middle of the 13th round. If you decide to wait on a second quarterback, he's your guy. Isaiah Spiller goes to 13-7. Michael Gallup, 13-8. I almost took him, actually. Uh, Hunter Henry, Russell Gage, Rondell Moore at 13-11, I think, is one of the better values here, too. He was also someone I would have considered. Um, Red, you're at the end of the 13th round, and you got back-to-back picks. Who we got here? I'm taking two running backs right here. Um, I really like Khalil Herbert with Chicago. Um, There's reports of him possibly fitting the offense better than what David Montgomery does. Uh, Not saying he's going to take that role, but I think both of these guys can be used more than what we're anticipating. Maybe like Melvin Gordon and Javonta Williams. Maybe we see a a committee similar to that. Um, So I'm going to take the upside of Khalil Herbert. Uh, And speaking of committee and upside, uh, Raiders are most likely going to use a committee. I'm going to take the rookies, Amir White. Um, 
really good running back out of college. He just has some ACL tears, and I think he had one in each of his knees. Uh, just a lot of bad luck, but, man, the upside is just through the roof, man. So, um, with all that being said, yeah, I mean, taking those guys late, if one of one of if Montgomery goes down or if Josh Jacobs goes down, you know, I got some maybe running back twos right here in the 13th and 14th round. Yeah, I like both of these guys, Herbert and White. Um, Herbert's on a bad offense, so he scares me, but I don't think that Montgomery is as good as people want him to be in terms of having a three down roll. Zamir White, hey, they cut Kenyon Drake. The other guys, Amir Adula and Brandon Bolden, are basically been special teams guys most of their careers. So it would not be crazy to see White be this number two running back, probably behind Jacobs. Um, there's a chance it could be a lesser role, but wouldn't be that crazy. Um, Kenneth Gainwell goes, then Rashad White, Matt Prater, Brian Robinson, Youngway Koo, and um, we are back with me on the clock only a couple picks left i'm at the 14 7 so i'm gonna go ahead and take a backup tight end here um herb smith is on the board i kind of don't like him i mean i i would consider drafting him here but i think that there's a few other guys that i might like robert tunyon from green bay just not fully healthy or else he would probably be the pick um a few other guys i'm looking at but i'm gonna go ahead and take gerald everett here i kind of seem to be getting him in a lot of leagues super late um I actually just saw something. Um, I believe it was Denny Carter from Roto World posted. I just tweeted this while we were drafting, and is something I happened to come across. It says Justin Herbert last year targeted tight ends on 21% of his attempts. That was with Jared Cook as his tight end one. Because I think Gerald Everett will be a thing this season. I think the only thing getting in Gerald Everett's way is potentially Donald Parham. But assuming that. Hurt. Yeah, he's been hurt too, and you know they don't. I got a whole lot invested in him, or financially they're paying Everett a little bit more. So, yeah, as a late round dart throw, and a they got two solid wide receivers. Austin Eckler's involved in there too, but they're kind of lacking this strong third passing option, other than the running back. I think Gerald Everett has an opportunity to be that guy. Um, then we got Mark Ingram, Jahan Dotson. Denver kicker Brandon McManus, Jacoby Myers, and Mike, you're back on the board for our last two picks, which I assume we're all taking kickers and defenses with our last two picks. So what's your last real meaningful peak, uh, pick right here? Man, I got to tell you, I, I thought we were playing a game where uh, we were going to see who picked a defense or a kicker first. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess it's going gonna, it's gonna to be me who loses that one. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys – I, I, I do also need a backup tight end. I am. I, I have to echo some of what you said about you know Herb Smith and Robert Tunyon. Um, I but I think you know when I when I look at who I have on my roster and how this is shaking out, Cole Komet his bye week is week fourteen, so I do have a little bit of latitude to wait for Herb Smith, and I think that's going to be my pick. This was a guy that a lot of people were excited for last year, and it wasn't until that injury that hope kind of dissipated. So hopefully by week 14, he's somebody who can get five or six catches, maybe a touchdown if I'm lucky, and you know, be a decent fill-in on that Cole commit bye week. Yeah, you don't have a 
A lot of tight ends here with much more upside than a guy like Irv Smith. The broken thumb thing, he's healthy from that now, it appears, or you know, so he should be back and, and ready to bounce one. back from that. Yeah, he's yeah. gonna be ready week one. It's just, um, especially with the Vikings now trading for Jalen Rager, too. It's just like, man, I got a lot of a lot of passing options over there. Um, all right, so we've got him off the board and kickers and defenses for those of you that are listening you should be streaming these especially defenses defenses you should be looking at the weekly matchups unless there is some kind of fantasy defense that just gets on a roll and you happen to pick them up then you hang on to them but otherwise this should be week to week which teams are playing the worst offenses that week and try to go with that and if you're worried well there's not going to be enough options yes there will be you'll be always enough options it's always Um, an option just because it is a draft you know, we are going to pick up some guys, chase opportunity, find somebody who has a quarterback that throws a lot of touchdowns year after year. Uh, in this spot for me, I'd probably look towards who were some of the guys that were in the end zone a lot more often right now on the board, Ryan Sukup, uh, the Tampa Bay kicker, Tom Brady was in the end zone 45 times last year. Give me some of those uh, extra points. Yeah, like I would say with kickers, you generally want ones on healthy offenses. I like to go with kickers that are on good offenses that struggle in the red zone because that just usually equals a lot of field goal opportunities. Absolutely. Um, so after suck up, you got Tyler Algier, Christian Watson, Devontae Parker, Ronald Jones. I'm going to go ahead and get my defense out of the way here. and I'm going to take the Broncos defense because they play yep. Seattle in week one. Yep. So again, when you're just looking at these matchups, like the Niners, I believe they play the Bears in week one. So you want to be just kind of eyeing teams like that for your first defense. And then even if they have a great week, be ready to move on from them for uh, another team. Because if, you know, you got like Denver who plays um, Seattle in week one, I I don't have their second division opponent pulled up right here in front of me. But if they're playing a team like the Bills, then yeah, I'm not playing them. It's not going to happen. So don't get married to your defenses and be ready to stream. Be ready to cut your defense for something else in a moment's notice. Right. Yep. That's why I'm taking the Titans defense because they play Daniel Jones in week one. Yep. I think I took them uh, in a draft just the other day too. So again, you're not looking at how's this defense going to do over the course of the year. You're looking at who's the, who are they going up against week one. And so, yes, if you want a couple pointers, yes, Tennessee's a good one. Denver's a good one. San Francisco's a good one. Uh, those are those are a couple of good ones. If if you're looking for a defense to start with, the Ravens are going to be a great option against the Jets, who should be down to their backup quarterback Joe Flacco. Well, that will be an interesting homecoming. Um, but yeah, something to think about. Colts at Texans. That's another defensive opportunity. Yes, sir. All right, Red, take your kicker so we can get out of here. Oh, it's still my pick. Damn it. But you know Put what? Calm down, sir. I believe in Indianapolis this year. Give me Rodrigo Blankenship. The so Lego man to, himself. Yeah, something else to think about with kickers, and I believe we've discussed this too, or maybe I was talking to someone else about this the other day. Uh, domed kickers, so team uh, kickers that where their home games are in a dome yep. are ideal because you don't deal with any weather elements. We're not talking wind or snow or rain or any of that bullshit. But it doesn't mean you should exclude kickers that are not in a dome. Um, like I'm looking at Nick Folk right here, who was one of the best. I think he was the number two kicker in fantasy last year. So it just kind of depends. Hey, is New England going to be in scoring position a lot? Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Rabbi Gold getting a little up there in age. 
Will Lutz from New Orleans looks okay. Absolutely. Will Lutz, when we talk about kickers in a domed stadium, Will Lutz has always had really good opportunity. He missed last year with core muscle surgery. Other than that, he's been one of the better kickers in fantasy. Um, I'm looking at his from 2016. He's a number four kicker. 2017, number four kicker. 2018, number three kicker. 2019, number two kicker. 2020, he drops down to number 12, which is still a, a you know a kicker one. That feels like weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> and then last year, he's unranked because he didn't play. So uh, he's also only 28. He was booting long field goals in the preseason and everything too. Not worried about that. So I'm gonna go ahead and take Willets as my kicker. And then, um, I guess, yeah, so before that, so Red takes Rodrigo Blankenship from Indy, Jalen Tolbert, Robert Tunyon, Kenny Galladay, Chuba Hubbard, McCole Hardman, I take Will Lutz, Raheem Mostert, Sammy Watkins, Deshaun Watson goes at the very end of, right. uh, towards the end of round 16, Marlon Mack, interesting pick there. Marion. By the CPU, Marion. but then Mike, go ahead and wrap it up for us. Go ahead and take your defense. Uh, so for this draft, uh, before I make this pick, I one question I have: can can we turn this into a league? Because I I really feel like <laughs> I just dunked all over this draft. Uh, I think little, you know you when you're drafted. when you're looking at defenses like you guys have already said. You know I'm not going to reinvent the wheel here. Look for somebody who has a good matchup. The Cleveland Browns are playing Detroit Week One. Detroit struggled last season. And not that I don't like that team. I just, you have to know that it's Cleveland Browns have a defense. Jared Goff is out there, and Miles Garrett is a headhunter. I like the Browns in this spot. Dead I last see what pick. you did there, headhunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> helmet hunter. <laughs> hey, you, hey, you got your own helmet hunter over there in L.A., buddy. <laughs> hey, man, it was just practice. Nice. So there it is, boys. There's there's our mock draft. Maybe we can uh, get some votes in there and post some pictures of these teams to social media and see who likes what. Yeah, Tim Four. Maybe we'll, I'll do that probably tonight while Casey gets this uh, podcast out to our listeners. Yeah, man. Well, this one uh, was, I feel like, a good prep for the weekend for all of us and for anyone who's listening. So thanks for hanging with us. If you sat through this entire 16-round mock draft, uh, we'll be back sometime early next week to start previewing the games. We're going to get into a rhythm here, talking injuries and everything, too. Now that we're going to have a regular injury report, we should have Bad News Josh on probably as early as this upcoming week. Um, Lots of other stuff to talk about. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, social media, all that good stuff. Um, good luck in your drafts this weekend. Hit us up with any questions. Drink your milk, drink your beer, drink your coffee, whatever it is that's in your cup. Just don't drink it all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's a shot. I kind of have to. Yeah, touche. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. Until next right, time. Man. Peace out. Take Peace. Care.